Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Brand new banging I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is here. Have no fear. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is in Sucasa. That's Spanish. That's a... Uh... That's Spanish for in the house, in case you don't know that. Uh, the name is Michael Rapport, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. Captain Kalitis from the Caucasus Mountains, a.k.a. the Disruptive Warrior, a.k.a. the Raging Bullshitter, a.k.a. Mr. Go Fuck Yourself. And this is uh, a first time. First time for the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Uh, let's call it an experiment of sorts. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, from beginning to end, is being recorded on video. It's never happened before from beginning to end going solo on that ass and I'm still the same. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, the Iron Dome of Podcasting, the Zone of Disruption. Welcome. I'm excited. I'm hopped up and what what a beautiful beautiful day in New York to be podcasting. I'm in here with my guy, David. He's riding shotgun with me. Of course, the Bleach Brothers, the Dust Brothers 
are always rocking with me. It's the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I hope you're good. I hope you're safe. I hope you are feeling sane and feeling rested like my guy, Jumbo Josh Allen. Enjoy your week off, Josh Allen of the uh, Buffalo Bills, my starting quarterback who, listen, I don't know what the fuck you were doing all weekend, Josh Allen, but I hope you were resting, ice baths, you're big, you take bumps, uh, maybe getting yourself some new cleats so you're not slipping and sliding, fucking things up, okay, you're doing great, but maybe, I, I know you're making a lot of money, we don't fact check at the Iron Rappaport Stereo Podcast, I don't know what your contract is, but I know you're making money to get yourself some new fucking cleats, uh, nonetheless, I am back, back in the New York groove, the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I was just in Orlando. And I want to give a shout out to everybody who listens to the podcast, who came to my shows at the Orlando Improv over the weekend. I was, uh, great shows, great crowds. Uh, I had one guy at one show start talking, talking that Trump shit during the show. Because when I started pounding on Dick Stain, Donald Trump, and rest assured, if you come see me live, there's about five minutes where I, I stuff him because he deserves to be stuffed. And uh, this uh, person said, it's a comedy show. Why are you talking politics? And I said, I, I know, I know, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm sorry to disappoint you at my comedy show. I know there's nothing I could do at my viral load comedy tour That'll be as hilarious, as entertaining, as comedic as a Dick Stain Donald Trump rally. Who could who could top those? Rodney Dangerfield couldn't top those. Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy with the red leather suit. Nobody could be as fucking hilarious as Trump at a rally. So I said, I'm sorry to disappoint you. You can leave, you fuck. That's what I said. But 99.9% of the people had a great time, I hope. And the fans of the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast that were there, I appreciate you. I saw you. I heard you. There was some New York people there. There was a guy who had a one of 100 I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast t-shirts. I saw you. I give you the nod. Hmm. I'm drinking water in here. I'm wondering, should we record all the coughs, snorts, and sneezes during the podcast? You think I, I should keep the snorts, coughs, and sneezes? Fuck it, right? Why not? Um, but I'm back in, uh, from Orlando. I was staying in a resort in Orlando, which I'm telling you, if you're going to Orlando for business, stay in a resort. Stay in an all-inclusive resort. Do your best to not leave the hotel. Now, I know uh, people from Orlando, you get very sensitive about this, but I was only there for two and a half days. I, I didn't have the time or the, the impotence to go out and see the town. I, I just couldn't do it. I, I did my shows. I worked out. I did my shows. I worked out. Boom. I got in uh, uh, Friday. Boom. I was out Sunday morning at the crack of fucking dawn to make it to the Brooklyn Nets game, which I will uh, share with you that full experience. Um, and after my workout in Orlando at the resort where they had food, they had uh, uh, all kinds of Mexican, they had cheeseburgers, they had vegetarian, that every single thing you could you could have this all included. They had a spa, uh, which I went into, and I haven't been to a spa in shit in a while. Uh, but they said, uh, you want to look at the spa? I said, fuck it, why not? After I did my, my little workout, I pumped. You see the shoulders? You see the shoulders. I'm wearing cashmere. This cashmere is like a fucking, like a Persian cat. 
soft. People come up to me, they hug me, they go, oh, that's a nice sweat. I got no. Don't, don't, it's not, a, it's not an animal. Don't touch it. Don't come too close to the cashmere. Okay? You could admire it from afar. You're lucky you got to touch what you touch. Don't fucking linger. Don't pet me. Uh, but uh, they said, you want to see the spa? I said, fuck it, why not? It smelled good. Uh, so they took me into the spa. They said, we got a whirlpool. We got a, uh, a dry steam. We got a steam room. We got showers. We got everything. I said, you know what? I'm going to go in there. And uh, I said, you got anybody on hand right now that could give me a massage? They said, somebody actually just canceled. I said, are they strong? They said, yeah, it happens to be the strongest person we have, I, which I knew was bullshit. I knew they were just selling it, but I was like, fuck it. I wanted the massage. I wanted the experience. So I, I went into the room. Lady came out. She gave me the massage. The massage was half-assed. I've said it once. I've said it a gazillion times. When I am getting a massage, I'm not there for the polite, you know, like the tickles. Uh, they had the contraption where she could have stood on me. It was like, a, you would have thought you were in a sex dungeon. But she said she don't walk on backs. I said, you don't want to walk on back? You could hold on to the thing. She said, no, I don't do that. But I'll go deep. I said, you use elbows and knees? She says, I, I don't use knees. I already knew this wasn't going to be a great massage. But I'm butt ass. I'm butt ass on the table. She said, you'll enjoy it. Nonetheless, the massage was fine. It was, it was fine. But I, I need the fucking elbows. I need heels. I need feet. I'm not in there to be lightly touched. I want that fucking deep tissue. I want to be able to, I want to feel, I want to have to breathe like, <sighs> while that elbow's in my back, while that elbow's in my hip, I want to have to breathe through it. She did a great job. She did, she did the best she could. I should have known. It's a white lady. I, I'm just going to say this. If you're getting a massage, if, if you're going to get a white lady, they have to be, at least 200 pounds. Otherwise, just go for an Asian Thai massage. And I know people say, oh, that, there's exceptions to rules. I'm just saying. And I don't mean any disrespect. If that masseuse is watching, you agree. I tipped her good. Because anybody who's working in the service industry right now, do your best to tip people that are working in the service industry because people are fucked up out here. So I, I didn't complain. I took it because you can tell it's like, as soon as she started touching me, I knew it wasn't going to go the way I wanted to. But I just laid there. I tried to meditate. I tried to relax. I was getting ready for my shows. But that's where the fun only began. Because after the massage, I said, I want to explore the, uh, the spa. And I didn't have a bathing suit with me. And uh, I had sweated in my, my underwear. And I was like, you know what? I'm 51. I'm in Orlando. You know, I grew up. Sometimes going to my father's tennis club in New York City. And when you'd go through the tennis club, I was thinking about this while I was making this executive decision. I would think about the men, old, primarily white men in the tennis club, butt-ass naked, no shame in their game. They got lint. They got tissue all over their, they're fucked up. It didn't haunt me. It, it was never weird. Like, they're just in the locker room. Then nobody was worried about being chest naked, being cock naked. And I said, you know what? I, I don't want to wear my, my sweaty underwear. I'm 51, okay? I'm going to just be like, I don't need a bathing suit. I got cock naked. I went to, to all, all the services. I went into the dry steam 20, 20 minutes cock naked. I wrapped myself in a towel, but I'm walking around there chest naked, obviously, 
cock naked. I got myself some water. I went into the the wet steam, butt ass. It's people coming in and out. I don't give a fuck. There's no cameras in there. You're not going to take a picture of me. Then I went into the whirlpool. Again, I could have went into the whirlpool with my sweaty underwear because who cares at that point? But I'm like, for what? I'm 51. This is the way the guys did it in the 70s and the 80s when I would go visit my father at the tennis club. No one cared. Everybody's too self-conscious. And these were older men. I said, this is the, this is the point in my life where I go, I, I don't give a fuck. We're all in here. These guys are walking around in bathing suits, Speedos, shorts. I'm, like, I'm butt ass. We're in a men's locker room. Right, David? Fucking men's locker room. I don't care. You seem young. How old are you, David? 30. You're not there yet. You're not there. You'll get there. You're just like, fuck it. Cock naked in the, in the steam room, in the whirlpool, floating around. My dick's floating around. I don't know what's on my body. When I am getting out of the whirlpool, the gentleman... Says his name was George. Thick, Filipino accent. Thick. He spoke very good English, but he had a thick accent. I said, where are you from? He said, Filipinos. I said, Manny Pacquiao's my guy. He said, uh, he's retired. He said, yeah. He says, I know who you are. I said, oh, yeah? He says, uh, yeah, can I take a picture with you? I said, George, I'm a uh, butt-ass, bro. He said, I know, I know. We're big fans. I said, George, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to stop you right here. When I put my clothes on, Georgie, I'll take the selfie with you, okay? But one of the reasons why I'm feeling good about being cock naked and feeling liberated about it is because this is a men's sanctuary. I don't have to worry about you wanting to take, you're not sneaking pictures. You go, no, 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 I never would. He goes, I'm a big fan of prison break. I go, I get it. I appreciate it all. Let me get dressed, let me put my fucking shirt, let me put my underwear, and my sweatpants back on. Then we take the fucking picture. He said, yes, 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 I understand. I took the picture. I looked great. Point is, is that I made that decision that day. I'm, I'm not saying that I am going to be on nude beaches, but I'm not saying I'm not. The thing is, the fucking cameras, everybody's got the cameras. But the liberated feeling that I felt as a grown 51-year-old man uh, you know, I have some gray chest hairs. Most of it's bright red. David, you got bright red uh, pubic hairs? No, he doesn't. Uh, well, not everybody's as fortunate as me, David. I got bright red pubic hairs. Some of it's turning gray on my chest. I was like, I don't give a fuck. This is a men's sanctuary. Women's bathroom, women's sanctuary. Be in there free, women. You're not at that age. You're not at that age, but you'll get there. You don't give a fuck. What's hanging off, what it looks like. That's, that's what I experienced. And I'll never forget being fully liberated in that Orlando resort. And going forward, you see me in a locker room, you recognize me, trust me, you're going to see me ass naked. Don't say shit to me. Don't nod. Don't speak to me. I don't give a fuck if you're a fan. 99.9% .9 of the time... Fans approach me, you get love. But if you see me butt-ass in a locker room, don't speak to me, man. Wait till I get my shit on. Great time in Orlando. Performing in San Francisco, the 5th and the 6th at Cobb's Comedy, November 5th, November 6th. And then hosting the entire week of the Wendy Williams Show. That's right, David. Hosting the entire week of the Wendy Williams show, the week of November 8th. That means the 8th 
the 9th, the 10th, the 11th, and the 12th. That's five shows of me on daytime television. Five fucking shows of me on daytime television, and I cannot wait. Chomping at the bit. Solo, dolo on that ass. Five days. That same week, I am performing at Caroline's on Broadway. The... 11th, 12th, and 13th. Can you pull that up, the link? MichaelRappaportComedy.com. MichaelRappaportComedy.com. Uh, so the 5th the and the 6th, I'm in San Fran, Bay Area. I'm trying to go to a uh, Golden State Warriors game. Then I'm hosting five shows, Wendy Williams, solo. Okay, I don't know what I'm going to wear. Maybe I'll rock some cashmere. You know I'm going to have some ill sneakers on. And then the... 11th, 12th, and 13th, Broadway. I'm walking to the shows. I'm walking home from the shows. And I'm telling my wife now, after my last show, we're getting ice cream. Not no vegetarian ice cream, vegan ice cream. We're getting ice cream, real fucking ice cream from an ice cream store. Okay? That's the link. Okay? Uh, so I'm excited about uh, uh, doing the Wendy Williams show. And uh, uh, I'm pumped about that. I'm excited about doing the shows in San Francisco. I'm going to see the Golden State Warriors play, I believe, on the third. Versus LaMelo. Versus LaMelo Ball. The Golden State Warriors, who I saw play the other day in Brooklyn. So I made my pilgrimage back to the Barclays after uh, the whole Durant thing. I was on the wood. The fucking, the wood. Went out to fucking Brooklyn BK. And I got to tell you, it was an uninventful experience. I'll explain why. Number one, there's been a lot of news discussion about these protesters, the Kyrie Irving insurrectionists that tried to break into Barclays. They tried to breach it. They thought it was January 6th. They were trying to, see, January 6th inspired motherfuckers. They're like, yo, if we could get, we get in the Capitol. Barclays ain't shit. Break into the Capitol? We'll get in the fucking the Barclays arena. That's that's easy work. Motherfuckers are inspired now. They, they weren't able to get in there because that would not have been good for anybody. That wouldn't have been good for the fans. That wouldn't have been good for the people that were breaking in. That wouldn't have been good for anybody. I bet you more people would have got hurt at Barclays than got hurt on January 6th. I'm talking about the insurrectionists. But I saw him. I didn't see the full crowd. I saw him. There was Nation of Islam, all sorts of flavors. Not a lot of people. But they were out there and they were trying to get in. Brooklyn people holding the fort down in Barclays because 99.9% .9 of the people that I spoke to that worked in Barclays say, what's up? Where are you from? From Brooklyn. Where are you from? Queens. Went to school in Brooklyn. It's a Brooklyn people in the Barclays, which is dope. I like that. But motherfuckers were trying to breach the Barclays just like they breached the Capitol. And that is crazy. It was easier to get into the Capitol building than it was to Barclays Arena in the name of Kyrie Irving. That's bugged out. But I went there, went there early customer. You know, if I'm going to a game, I'm sitting on the wood. If I am sitting on that fucking, that good wood, I go early. Okay. Uh, I had an option because I was there uh, with the highfalutin tickets, the highfalutin seats. They had an option. You don't have to wear a mask if you get a COVID test. Got my COVID test, negative. 
because I'm, I'm, I'm vaccinated. And I just got a flu shot. I, I'll take anything. I don't give a fuck. I've been taking shots, pills, prescriptions my whole life. I'm fine. I'm aging like a fucking fine wine. Look at me. Look, you think I grew up swimming in public pools where people would brag about pissing in those public pools. I swam underwater, grew up on TV dinners, eating green beans, pasta sauce, meatballs, SpaghettiOs out of the fucking can, eating two to four hot dogs a day off the street. This is, what is that meat? We don't know if that's dog, cow, cat, Rat, we don't know what the fuck is in those hot dogs. You tourists that come to New York that want to try New York hot dogs, you don't know what the fuck is in there, but you won't get a shot? Are you scared of a needle? Hmm? Scared of a needle, huh? You don't know what's in TV dinners. You don't know what's in Chef Boyardee's. You eat fucking hot Cheetos. You don't know what the fuck is in there, but you're worried about a little shot. Big conspiracy. Point is, is that it was an uneventful, uneventful game, uneventful event. I got there. As soon as the Nets came out, Durant saw me. I saw him. I'm like this. I'm on some fucking De Niro and Heat shit. I'm like this. I'm looking at him like, that's how my face was. I prepared it. I'm an actor. I could do that shit. Like you go, go action. And I go, I could do that shit. I'm looking at this fucking guy. He's on the uh, the layup line for the right side. He fucking saw me. His eyes went wide. A little bit. Motherfucker went out and scored 38 points. I didn't throw him off. But he fucking saw me. The Nets were well aware that I was coming to the game. I'm not going to... I'm not going to disclose how I know that the, the Brooklyn Nets knew I was coming to the game. But motherfuckers knew that Mike Rapp was in the building. Nonetheless, uneventful game. Uneventful uh, me being there, which I'm glad. I didn't want any controversy. I want to continue going to games. I'm a fan. The Durant thing, it came, it went. Uh, we move on. Uh, somebody suggested while he was near me, why don't you tell him to meet you at catch when he's at the free throw line? Like when he's at the free throw line, I say, yo, meet me at catch. See, but that would get me. They'd raise on Rondo me. That's when they go, get the fuck out. Because I know that any little incident at the Barclays, they'll be like, get the fuck out. I don't want that. I want to watch the games. I'm on the, the fucking wood. I'm on the wood. And I want to continue to be invited on that fucking wood. But my takeaways of the game were this. LaMelo Ball's big. Motherfucker's big. Um, he's bigger than you think. He's like 6'7", 6'8". That motherfucker's tall. And he's 20. Uh, he's quick. That other kid, uh, Bridges, that motherfucker's big. He got big-ass legs. Big. I don't know how old he is. 23, 24. This is a big fucking kid. Uh, Gordon with the good hair. His hair looked great. Gordon Hayward. Hair looked fucking fantastic. Didn't play very well. I don't need to recap the game, but the Nets are fucked up. James Harden looks hurt. He's not playing like the James Harden we're used to. It's not about the fouls and the calls. He just doesn't seem like he has that, that oomph. We know he likes to hang out with LeBaby. In Paris during the summer, we know he likes to, you know, he's into all his shit. It ain't that. It ain't that he ain't in shape. He didn't have that that hamburger belly that he started last season with. He don't look right. 
And the Nets are not a great team right now. There's no ball movement. Everything goes through Durant. He scored 38 points. He's a fucking maestro. Motherfucker's up there scoring whatever he wants from weird angles, doing all kinds of fadeaway shit, all sorts of wild shit. And they lost. They lost pretty easily. It was kind of a close game, but you just felt like they never really were able to get it going. Um, And I was thinking about Spencer Dinwiddie, who they got rid of because of Kyrie Irving, who is disrupting the team, disrupting the security, disrupting the staff, disrupting Barclays. Spencer Dinwiddie's a good player. They got rid of him. They got rid of a bunch of people for Kyrie. And the only thing that Kyrie has done is fucked up the hopes and aspirations of the Brooklyn Nets and motherfuckers are storming Barclays in the name of Kyrie Irving. Not that he's responsible for it, but he's caused a lot of fucking problems for the Brooklyn Nets. Nonetheless, I will say I was prepared for a player to come running into the stands. And normally when those players come running into the stands, they take you out, not on purpose. But I was like, you ain't taking me out. I'm on the wood. Because I know if a Brooklyn net, particularly Durant, had to go for a loose ball and he saw me, he's coming with knees, feet. I was, I had the fucking, I had, this fucking shit was right. You come, you're not fucking me up opening day Barclays. Trust me, I had the forearm up and I was prepared. But, but again, uneventful. Wore my kicks, wore some ill kicks. People were like, yo, your kicks. I was like, don't worry about my kicks, B. Kicks are ill. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the kicks. Don't worry about the cashmere. Kicks in fucking cashmere. Um, but it was a great Sunday, but I am glad to be back in New York City. Um, I'm glad to be doing the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast for you guys. I Am Rappaport Podcast. So, um... Terrible, terrible, terrible accident happened on the set of an Alec Baldwin film that I know everybody's heard about where a prop gun was, I don't know if they were rehearsing. There's all sorts of rumors. I don't know if they were actually shooting film. You've heard that they were uh, shooting. You've heard that they were rehearsing. But a terrible, a tragedy happened where Alec Baldwin dislodged a prop gun on a movie set, which is all make-believe, by the way. I'm going to say the word make-believe, pretend, a few times uh, when I break this down. Um, and somehow, some way, there was a live round of ammunition in this prop gun on this movie set shooting a make-believe scene when there's people around, there's cameras there's lighting it's fake he's makeup on he's not a real it's an actor and the dp of the film who is a mother a wife was shot accidentally and killed on this movie set and it's a fucking tragedy it's a an accident on a make-believe movie set shooting a make-believe, I, I think it's a Western film with a supposed, supposed to be make-believe gun and the DP, who's a woman, was, was killed by 
a not make-believe bullet that came out of this gun. And I've shot guns. They're supposed to be blanks. Alec Baldwin has probably shot them hundreds of times, you know, in his career as, a, as an actor. If you're a, an actor, definitely a guy uh, who's a working actor, especially somebody like myself who plays cops, plays bad guys, plays villains, shotguns, my whole career as an actor. True Romance, I didn't shoot guns, but they were shooting guns up the fucking wazoo in True Romance. There's guns all over the place. Pulling out guns, the scene with Christian Slater in the elevator, he's pulling out the gun. The scene at the end, they're shooting machine guns, they're shooting fucking everything. Heavy, heavy, heavy safety, precautions. You do rehearsals. You know, they, they give you the gun. There's, there's a whole protocol that usually goes down. They'll say fire in the hole, hot weapon, cold weapon. Cold weapon is when the gun has nothing in it. Uh, they'll say fire in the hole before you shoot. You know, you practice, you rehearse. People have, uh, you know, earphones on. The, the actors sometimes will have, you know, earplugs in because it's loud, but it's dummy rounds, blinks, but they are still very loud. I've shot them in Copland, Justified, a prison break, we shoot guns all the time. There's always a, a special effects person and a person like a gun person, ammo person there. And I can't imagine what that woman thought when she realized she was shot. I can't imagine what Alec Baldwin and the rest of the people on the crew, when they realized that this imaginary situation, a real bullet, has injured not just the DP, the director also got shot, but but he's live he lived, fortunately. And the horror that everybody experienced when this happened. The nightmare, the horror, like what the fuck is going on here? A real bullet came out of this fake gun on this fake movie set. And the woman died. I believe she has a nine-year-old child. She's a uh, a wife. And Alec Baldwin, who is probably mortified, he's got his own kids. He's got a lot of kids. Alec Baldwin's got a lot of fucking kids. This is a person who killed accidentally another person. And I, again, I don't know what the details are. You know, some people are saying that they might have been filming. Some people said it might have been rehearsing, questioning. You don't point a gun at a... The whole thing is a tragedy. And not 24 hours after this tragedy was announced, piss-stain Donald Trump Jr., who, who I've given him that official name. The name is piss-stain. Not to be confused with dick-stain Donald Trump. Piss-stain Donald Trump Jr. starts tweeting, guns don't kill people, Alec Baldwin kills people. Instagramming all this kind of thing, mocking this tragedy less than 24 hours after it happened, after a woman was killed on the set of a make-believe movie with what was supposed to be a make-believe gun. Now, we know that piss-stained Donald Trump Jr. likes big game hunting. He likes to kill innocent animals. Can you pull up a picture, David, of, of dick-stained Donald Trump and his stupid fucking brother, Eric Trump, proudly standing over, I don't know, giraffes? I think they killed a giraffe. Imagine, imagine saying, I'm going to go on vacation to... Africa, 
and kill a giraffe? What kind of a pussy you have to be to want to kill a giraffe? Who, who's not just a beautiful animal, it's a slow animal. That takes no skill to kill a giraffe. And you're proud of that? And you post pictures of yourself on a lot. It's like a it's like an amusement park where they have animals that are that are there to be killed by you. So you could get the tusks or look at this. Uh, imagine standing there like this fucking asshole with a, what is that? A leopard, David? Cheetah? Jaguar. You flew to Africa with your dumb brother and your double fucking chins and your veneer teeth to kill a jaguar in an amusement park. It's essentially an amusement park for fuck-ups like these two assholes to kill innocent, beautiful animals. And you post that picture because you're so proud of yourself. Like that takes any kind of skills. Like that takes any sort of toughness. This fucking guy, piss-stained Donald Trump Jr., again, not to be confused with dick-stained Donald Trump, a.k.a. pig-dick Donald Trump, starts mocking the death of an innocent person, a woman who's a mother, who's a, a wife, who's a human being, mocking it because he is mad at Alec Baldwin because Alec Baldwin beautifully portrayed his stupid fucking father, Dick Stain Donald Trump, on Saturday Night Live to uh, multiple Emmy Award nominations and awards. Because these are scumbags. Dick Stain Donald Trump's a scumbag, and he raised scumbag kids. Ivanka, Melania. Ivanka's the wife, right? No, that's the daughter. Melania. Ivanka, right. Ivanka, the daughter, the other one who uh, looks like she did, um, not saying she did, but she looks like she did, you know, like at home porn, like that kind of porn. She looks like she's done that. Like she can't make $50 a day on OnlyFans. Like if, if that one daughter, I don't know her name is, Melissa, Debbie, if she signed up on OnlyFans and she wasn't a Trump, she wouldn't hit $100 a day. She could do anything on there. There's She could juggle be butt-ass naked, magic tricks. No one's watching you because you're, you're average because he raised average to below average fucking kids. And this piss-stained Donald Trump Jr., he's mocking the death of an innocent person while they're still figuring out what happened because these people have no... No scrutiny. They have they have no morals. They have no boundaries. They're fucking lowlifes. And it's the same week that his father, Dick Stain Donald Trump Jr., mocked and belittled the death of Colin Powell, the four-star military man, who I know his career wasn't perfect. This is who they are. This is who they are. All of them, the Trumps and his lowlife, good-for-nothing, never creating anything, never coming up with anything, Never doing anything on their own except for living off of their father's name and shooting jaguars on big game hunting amusement park locations in Africa. Pistain Donald Trump Jr., that's your official name going forward because you're a pistain. You ever be in a rush when you're taking a piss and uh, later on you go, oh, I kind of pissed him under. That's you. You're the, you're the stain on the underwear of my Under Armour compression underwear. That's what you are pissed Donald Trump. And not only is he mocking it, this fuck is now profiting off the death of this woman, this director of photography, by selling t-shirts 
to make money. This is a two-bit, low-life, three-card Monty, desperate pimp. I'm on Canal Street. Why don't you go out there and sell your T-shirt on Canal Street? Like these other fucking people out there are doing. They're doing it because they have no choice. You're doing it because you're a piece of shit. Pull up the clip. This is the T-shirt that piss-stained Donald Trump is selling right now. Guns don't kill people. Alec Baldwin kills people. You could get it in all sizes. They got 4X. Different colors. This is what you're doing. You're selling this T-shirt, piss-stained Donald Trump, because you're a heartless scumbag. And the thing about the Trumps, dick-stained Donald Trump, and dick-stained Donald Trump Jr. is when you die, and I don't play with death. I don't mock death. I don't belittle death. If you have animosity towards somebody, an enemy, when they die, it's like, I don't fuck with that. When Dick Stane Donald Trump Jr. dies and his father dies, probably die first, uh, Jr., you're going to see what people feel about your father. There's going to be partying in the street when, when Trump Sr. dies. There's going to be parades. When his hearse comes by, people are going to be throwing snowballs at it, eggs, piles of shit. Dog shit, human shit, maybe elephant shit, horse shit. They're going to be doing all that. And you're going to witness it. You're going to go, wow, they really hated my father. I'm telling you now while he's alive, everybody, everybody that hates your father, they really hate your father. They don't just kind of hate him. They hate that fuck. And when you die, Dick Stain Donald Trump Jr., and I don't play with death, I ain't going to be one of the people. Your family is going to get to see what people think about you. A good-for-nothing, golden spoon, fuck boy. You got that golden spoon up your ass your entire life. You've never done anything. You've never created anything. You don't have an ounce of creativity. Uh, you'll never be able to do anything other than live under the thumb of your father, Dick Stain Donald Trump Jr. Never, ever, ever. You don't got it. Your brother's a loser. Your sister's a loser. And the other sister who can't make $55 a day if she went on OnlyFans, she's a loser also. Huh? You fuck. You miserable fuck. You're profiting off the death of a person because he, uh, uh, he was on Saturday Night Live making fun of your father. Your father didn't raise you right. I, I know he used to smack you around, but not hard enough. And another person who came out of the woodworks, and I've said it on this show, Candace Owens, because I listen to all these people, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, I fuck with CNN, I fuck with Fox News, I listen to that fucking loser, lunatic Alex Jones, I listen to it all. I'm informed, unlike most of you dummies out there who only listen to Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, another silver spoon up the kazoo, uh, these people, I listen to Candace, I don't disagree with everything Candace says, because I listen I listen, I watch. Candace Owens, you fucked up. She's is a proud Christian. She's another one mocking the death of this woman on the film set, tweeting, calling it poetic justice, belittling the death of a mother. You're a mother, right, Candace Owens? I listen to your show. I'm subscribed to The Daily Wire. I pay money to know what the fuck is going on. Ben Shapiro, I, I watch your show. I don't watch, I listen to it. Your Wednesday show, I listen. You're a mother, proud mother. You talked about your grandfather on the last episode, very proudly, what he meant to you. 
Would your grandfather who you wrote the first chapter of your book, would your grandfather be proud of you, Candace Owens, mocking the death of another woman, a mother? Would your grandfather be proud of you? I don't think he would. Candace Owens, you're a fucking animal for what you said about the death of this woman. Uh, pull the clip there, David. Candace Owens, she tweeted out a bunch of shit, but she said, Alec Baldwin spent four years dedicated to painting Donald Trump and his supporters as evil murderers. No, he didn't. No one said murderers, evil, maybe about pig dick Donald Trump. And then she says, what happened to Alec would be an example of poetic justice. Candace Owens, would your grandfather be proud of you? You talk so highly about your granddad. You dedicated to a, a whole episode of your fucking show last week. Me and my wife listened to it. You had singers on there. I think they were singing, ain't too proud to beg, or ain't no woman like the one I got. Some shit because you, you love your grandfather. Would your grandfather be proud of you talking that nasty, nasty shit? About the death of an innocent woman on a fucking movie set, a make-believe movie set, mocking the death of another woman, a mother, and you're a new mother, and you're a Christian, right? All this Christian shit, right? Hmm? You fuck. You fuck you. Shame on you, Candace Owens. I hope your grandfather is looking down going, snickering, sneering, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. But I don't play with death. I don't do that shit. You guys have been so belittling to the death of this woman, but nothing for the death of the, the officers who protect and serve this country on January 6th. It's selective pity. It's selective care. It's all in the name of pig dick Donald Trump. Candace Owens, if you somehow, someway turned on Donald Trump and you were like, uh, I'm a Republican, but I don't think Donald Trump is the right person. Or somehow, some way, uh, you said, I'm no longer a Republican. You know what Donald Trump would call you? He'd call you every fucking name in the fucking... He'd call you black this, nappy-headed that, dirty little this, little chicken head. Every single name in the book. And you just are so... You'll just do anything in the name of Donald Trump. But if you turned on him, I would love to hear what he had to say about you, Candace Owens. You fuck you. What else is going on? I'm smiling. I'm fucking smiling. Ben Simmons, another one playing games out here. Ben Simmons still, Ben Simmons ain't playing for the Philadelphia 76ers. Ben Simmons first was talking about his back. And now he's talking about he's not mentally ready to play for the Philadelphia 76ers. He's never mentioned mental illness before. And I will never belittle real, serious, or just real cases of mental illness. Trust me, it hits too close to home. Ben Simmons, you've never mentioned anything about mental illness. And now all of a sudden, and I ain't saying it ain't real, but all of a sudden, you can't play for the Philadelphia 76ers because you ain't mentally ready? 
If you get traded, Ben Simmons, and you start playing basketball, and everybody realizes that you are weaponizing mental illness to benefit the fact that you're really just a guy who's come to the conclusion at 25 years old that you have a vagina. Ben Simmons, that's what it is. You've realized, oh my God, I, I've lived for 25 years and now I realize I, I menstruate. Is it, am I saying it correctly? Men menstruate? Menstruate? I say, I say things wrong all the time. You could correct me. Menstruate? I know it's hard. You're like, what, what? I'm getting a fucking period at 25 years old? Ben Simmons, I know it's weird. Is that the mental, the mental illness you're suffering? Is that what's fucking your brain up that you realize you have a vagina? No disrespect to anybody that has lived for 25 years and didn't realize they had a vagina. I feel like that's the problem. I don't feel like it's your back. I don't feel like it's Doc Rivers. I don't feel like it's Joel Embiid. I don't feel like it's the rowdy fans of Philadelphia, Ben Simmons. I feel like you realized I have a vagina and I don't know what the fuck to do with it. Now, there's people out there that can help you. But if you're playing games in this climate, see, when you say mental illness, everybody has to back off, right? Because it's a new day. Cancel culture, me too, mental illness. If you're playing games and weaponizing mental illness, if you think you're not liked now and you're really not liked, nobody likes you. You're nobody's favorite player. There's nobody who's not in Philadelphia that ever said, Ben Simmons is my favorite player. If you think you're hated now for all the shit you've done, if and when, and I would bet money, maybe mybookie.ag could take bets on this. I don't know how they would do it. But if it comes out that you're fucking around playing and weaponizing, using mental illness for your stance, all the while still getting paid, you ain't going to be able to go back to Australia, motherfucker. You, you, you better be able to get on that Johnny Depp, that Nicolas Cage, and get yourself an island because there ain't going to be nowhere to go for you, motherfucker, because what you're doing is beyond fucked up. And you're getting paid? Come to terms with the fact that you're free bleeding. Okay? Come to terms with the fact that you realize you had a vagina, and I'm not saying that makes you weak. No disrespect to all the women out there who have the vaginas. I'm just saying it could be shocking to somebody like Ben Simmons who realizes he has that vajayjay at 25 years old, kind of late in the game. But if we find out that you're weaponizing mental illness, save your money because you're going to need an island to live on, homeboy, because nobody is going to be fucking with you after that. Other thing that happened at the uh, uneventful opening night at Barclays, Brooklyn, Saw Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso in the flesh, fresh off his uh, hosting appearance on Sign Live, which was dope. You know what? Jason Sudeikis deserves all the success he is getting and all the fanfare he's getting because he's super talented. He's super likable. Every time I've seen him, he's always been genuine. He's gotten better, and he deserves it for those reasons. He's dope. Hove was also in the building and known Hove. I was in the video with Jay-Z. You know, I was in a video with Jay-Z, David. City is mine. You belong to the city. 
Um, known him before that through Damon Dash, who I grew up with. And uh, I'm in the uh, the liner notes. They don't even make liner notes anymore of the Black Album. He shows different people that have participated in different parts of his career. He's in Lenny Kravitz is in there, Eminem's in there, pictures of them. And I'm in there. Me, the Gringo Man Dingo, me, uh, the Disruptive Warrior, me, the Raging Bullshitter, me, Captain Clint. I'm in that fucking Black Album liner notes. Now, you probably can't even find the liner notes to the Black Album now because we don't fuck with the CDs, but I'm in there. Jay-Z's so fucking famous now, I, I don't even want to say anything to him. When Jay-Z walks in the building, it's like a planet is in the seat. He's like a planet to himself. He's like a spaceship. It's like, oh, shit. There's Jay-Z. And somebody was like, why is he wearing the sunglasses all the time? I was like, if I was Jay-Z, I'd, I'd sleep with sunglasses. Everybody's looking at him. Everybody's taking pictures of him. Everybody's googly-eyeing him. I'm somebody that's known him. And I'm bugging off for the fact that he's there because it's like literally like seeing like a shooting star. You're like, what the fuck? Look at fucking Jay-Z's over there. Should I watch the game? Should I watch? You're thinking that. Should I watch Hove? Should I watch LaMelo? Should I watch Hove or should I watch Miles Bridges? Should I watch Hove or should I watch Gordon with the good hair? Should I watch Hove or should I watch James Harden? That's what you're thinking the whole time when Jay-Z's in Barclays. Saw him real quick. What's up? How you doing? Keep it moving. What am I going to say? How are you? He's doing good. We know how Jay-Z's doing. He's married to, to Beyonce. He's making money hand over fist. He's Jay-Z. You don't ask how you doing. You just say, good to see you, man. Is it good to see you? Pound. Get the fuck out of there. Because they're never really going to wind up saying something you regret. When you, when I've run across Jay-Z, I'm always like running the conversation back in my head. Ah, oh, should I have said that? Should I not said that? Should I have, did I compliment him too much? Am I, am I being weird? I, I, I just keep it moving. He's, he's too famous. As far as celebrities, I was thinking about this. He's more famous and has more of an aura and mystique than any actor. Even my guy Denzel, who is another one. You're around Denzel, you're like, I, I, I just want to fawn all over you. Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't know who else you could even, who else? Who, who else is fa like famous like that? LeBron? No. I don't fuck with LeBron like that. We know that. I don't fuck with you, LeBron. I don't say shit to you. I see you. I don't say shit to you. Who else is that famous? Obama? Obama's that famous, but he doesn't even mean as much to me or to most people is Jay-Z because he's, it's more like he's a figure. We don't rock in our car to Obama songs. Like, who's more famous than Jay-Z? I don't, who the fuck is more, like Will Smith's not even in the same league as Jay-Z anymore. Who? Denzel? Obama? Fucking Beyonce. But it's popular, well, I guess women would bug out I still think Jay-Z's like, I don't know. 
She's a planet to herself. And together, if I saw them together, it's like, I'm not, I want to leave. I don't even want to be within a hundred fucking yards of these people. They're too much. I'm trying to watch the fucking ball game over here. Anyway, I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. What else do I got? It's a goddamn podcast. It's a good podcast. These people are still walking out. The Netflix employees. Listen, the Netflix employees that are complaining about the Dave Chappelle thing, I say you should you should quit your job. Because it the special's not getting pulled. My father's 88. He didn't know who the fuck Dave Chappelle was. He watched the special because of what he read about you guys. My father's 88. He could barely work Netflix. He knew the name Dave Chappelle. He's never seen the Dave Chappelle show. He's never seen Killing Him Softly. He's never seen any of his six Netflix specials. He watched the Dave Chappelle special because he read about you guys. Dave Chappelle's not going anywhere. If you think Netflix is an evil place and they're perpetuating and they are endorsing homophobic, anti-trans behavior, leave Netflix. Don't work there. The fuck the walkouts. Let's really be about this life. Fuck the walkouts. Quit your fucking job at Netflix. Because that is going to be by far the biggest comedy special ever watched, ever. Because my father's 88 and he watched the entire fucking thing because of what he read about people walking out and being upset about it. And then he went into why he, he just did, he just, my father's 88. He's on a three-wheel walker. He shouldn't be watching Dave Chappelle's special, but he did because of you motherfuckers. But I'm saying... If it's that bad, stop working at Netflix. Finally, in this I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, it's alleged, rumors having it, that Iron Mike Tyson is fighting Jake Paul's brother, Larry Paul, in February, and I am here for it. I am here for it. I'm going to pay my money as soon as this thing goes up on pay-per-view. I'm not waiting until the day of. I can't wait. I love that Larry Paul and Jake Paul, maybe they hate their father because they only fight people who are older or as old as their father. Paul brothers, Larry, Jake, do you hate your father? Is this a thing you want to beat up your father, but instead you want to take it out on Mike Tyson, who's, how old is Mike Tyson? You want to fight a 55-year-old man? Larry Paul, you're 23 years old. I don't fact check. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast doesn't fact check shit. You want to fight a 55-year-old man? You call yourself a boxer, you fuck? Jake Paul, you fought. Floyd Mayweather, who just got a hair plug, hair job, because he's old. Is this about wanting to really beat the shit out of older people? Do you have a fetish? Or is it something deep-seated within your family that you have some animosity towards your father because you can work that shit out in therapy. You ain't got to be fucking with these 40-something, 50-something-year-old men when you're 22. Why you want to hang out with grown-ass men when you're in the 20s? When I was in my 20s, I wasn't fucking with 55-year-old men. You're fucking with 47-year-old Floyd Mayweather, 55-year-old Iron Mike Tyson. But I am praying, I'm hoping that Iron Mike Tyson, that is wind will be as good as it was in that Roy Jones exhibition and Iron Mike Tyson, because it'll be embarrassing for Larry Paul 
to get knocked out by a 55-year-old man. I don't care if it's Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali at 55, Larry Holmes at 55, Jerry Cooney, or any motherfucker at 55. That'll end this charade. That'll end this shit for good. You got your ass beat by a 55-year-old dude when you could have just went to therapy and worked it out with your pops. Can't wait for the fight. We'll buy it first day. It comes available if it truly happens on pay-per-view. Mike, Larry Paul, you think you're you're playing with some, like you don't know what your deal, this is not, you're talking about Mike, this is not a dude who's, he's not playing, it's not like Connor, this ain't like about your brother who like turn it on for the cameras. When Mike Tyson's in kill mode, David, pull the clip if you can on YouTube of Mike Tyson when he was in kill mode where he told the guy he was going to fuck him in the ass. He's going to make him his girlfriend. He's going to fuck him in his ass until he, until he liked it. One of the great lines ever. This is not performance like Conor McGregor, performance like your brother shit talking. When he told that guy he was going to fuck him in the ass until he liked it, he was dead ass. He wasn't playing. He wasn't doing it for effect. That came from his heart when he said that. You think that you're playing with a guy like that? Like Floyd Mayweather in real life is soft-spoken, quiet. I imagine Conor McGregor, for the most part, is a toned-down version of what we see in fight mode. Even Jake Paul. You want to play with Mike Tyson? Who You have that clip? Put your mother in the straight jacket, you punk-ass white boy. Come in and tell me that if I fuck you in your ass, you punk white boy. Pause it. Put your mother in a straight jacket, you punk-ass white boy. Come here, I'll fuck you in your ass. You punk ass white boy, play the rest of the clip. You can't touch me, you're not man enough. I eat your asshole alive. Pause bitch. it. You can't touch me, you're not man enough. I'll eat your asshole alive. This is not for show. That's what he said. I'll eat your asshole alive. He's trying to eat that ass. Play the rest. Fuck you, you hoe. Come and take my face off. Fuck you, ass for that. Everybody. You bitch. Come on, you bitch. You're scared. Fuck you, you hoe. Come here so I could fuck you in the ass. Not in private. Not in private. Mike said, I want to fuck you in the ass in front of everybody. I want everybody to watch as I fuck you in the ass. Play the rest, David. Coward, you got man enough to fuck with me. You can't last two minutes in my world, bitch. Look at you scared now, you hoe. Scared like a little white pussy. Scared of the real man. I'll fuck you till you love me, faggot. Boom. I'll fuck you until you love me. Now, I'm not going to say the F word. I ain't stupid, you fuck. Now, I know Mike Tyson probably regrets that moment. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Okay, I know Mike. I love Mike. Told him that to his face multiple times. I just, I have love for him. But that's the energy you're going to get, Larry Paul, when you fight Mike Tyson. A guy that not just wants to fuck you in the ass, he wants to fuck you in the ass for the whole world to see. And rest assured, I will be paying my money to hopefully see a toned down version of that happen. See, I am Rap Poor Stereo Podcast. What more can I say? It's the world's most disruptive podcast. 
And uh, I'm out. We came, we saw, we conquered. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to listen to the I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. I'm out. I'm out.